Good morning, America. This is The Daily Answer and your host, as always, Mark Dunnigan. The City of God. How do you visualize heaven? Do you visualize it as a rather sterile, all-white room with no decor or furniture? Or how about just a state of mind, some sort of just, yeah, not really a place, but just kind of the state of mind. God describes heaven as an actual place. It's pictured as a country. It's pictured as a city. Hebrews 11, verse 10, Abraham, he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 10. He showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. As you look at that particular chapter, the city is described in detail. It is brilliant. Verse 11, it is a great high wall with gates. Verse 12, it is a huge square, 1,500 miles in every direction. Verse 16, it has color. It is the color of pure gold. Verse 18, it has varied jewels. It is filled with the indescribable glory of God, and it is always brilliant daytime there, 2125. Again, I know Book of Revelation is a book of signs and symbols, chapter 1 and verse 3. But as God describes heaven as a city, I think it's clear that we are dealing with a definite place, not just some state of mind. After all, if heaven is just a mental existence, why would there be the need for a resurrected body? The resurrection of our bodies on the last day likewise suggests that heaven Heaven is a place where you would want a body, a body that is far more durable than our present material bodies, 1 Corinthians 15, 42. A body that is perfectly fitted for such an environment, enabled to serve God and worship God and, well, and to enjoy all the pleasures and opportunities and what we might say realms of service in God's presence and also to be able to stand in the very presence of the glory of God and not be consumed like our physical body would, and a body that's immune from disease, decay, aging, death, so that there's not going to be an end of heaven for us. The heavenly city and the heavenly country also is pictured as having some sort of contour rather than just a flat landscape, uh, Things in the heavenly city are of different sizes. Some are higher than other things. In Revelation 21, verse 5, it says the gates never close. And so there's no danger of attack or invasion. The enemy has been defeated. But there's also no greed or sin or theft. Don't need to lock anything. But there might be another idea. Heaven is not only pictured as a city, but as a country. Hebrews 11, 14 through 16. Thus, the heavenly city may be only one aspect of heaven and that we're free to come and go and explore the different aspects of this incredible realm. That sounds like it's never going to be like, well, we've seen that or, well, there's really nothing on the list to see yet. A couple of times it says there'll be no night there, 21, 25, 22, verse 5. Having lived in the Pacific Northwest most of my life, I especially value that statement. The winters there, especially when I was a kid, could be brutal. 
it get dark at about 4.30 in the afternoon, it could be incredibly dreary. And I will definitely not miss the long, dark nights. How often in the summer, like around 7 o'clock, have I longed for the sun to stop at around 7 o'clock, especially at the end of a beautiful day, but there's still light. It's good light. Can it just can it just be like this golden glow for a while? How about just a it remaining afternoon and early evening indefinitely? And thus heaven is a place of perpetual light and perpetual day. In Matthew 25, 23, in the parable of the talents, in reference to the individuals that were faithful in God's service, God said to those servants, I will put you in charge of many things. And heaven is this really neat combination of a place of rest, Revelation 14, verse 13, but also a place of activity. His servants will serve him, Revelation 22, 3. On the one hand, all the frustrating activities of this existence now are over. Work that would be boring or didn't accomplish much frustrating. Work we could not perform. All of that has ended. The activity in heaven is altogether purposeful, fruitful, rewarding, enjoyable, engaging, exciting. Yes. No, it will not be a place of boredom. Satan is the one who sells that. I've... I've heard way too many people, well, you're not going to like heaven because you just be sitting on a cloud all day or whatever. I mean, that is such a shallow view. Equally shallow view is the idea that hell is a big party. That's incredibly superficial. You've got things to do. You've got a great and grand purpose. You've got, you're a believer, you've got adventures. Adventures far beyond anything that this life could offer. The labor in this life, the adventures in this life cannot hold a candle to, well, what God offers you in the future. If you're adventurous, you're going to want heaven. If you like to do amazing, challenging, and new things, you're going to want to be in heaven. You're not going to want to be in hell. Put in charge. That's interesting. I'm going to put you in charge. You know, because being faithful in this life qualifies us for bigger things. Have you ever thought what a huge accomplishment it is to believe in God when you can't see him? Following his written message without any need to hear him speak directly to you from heaven. Obeying him not because you see him watching over you, but because you trust him and his love. The faithful are the most qualified group of people that will exist. For these are the people who, while surrounded by sin, discouragement, unbelief, temptation, one click away, and bad attitudes, developed an amazing character, including eyes that, eyes that naturally turn away from sin, a conscience that shudders at evil, a mouth that tells the truth, that refuses to gossip or slander or tells what is coarse or obscene, a spirit that is earnest, steadfast, gentle, one that keeps being responsible even when the culture might cut, cuddle, and reward the irresponsible, a heart full of joy instead of hopelessness, patience instead of irritability, kindness instead of anger, humility instead of pride, and thankfulness instead of envy, and feet that move towards lowly 
towards the lowly and away from senseless, senseless conflict. Hands that are quick to help those in need and ready to fold in prayer. Was this life necessary? Yeah, absolutely yes. For in this life we develop the virtues, the fruit of the spirit. Yeah, that's, that's what this life is all about. Developing those qualities and the character, well, that will fit us for eternal life. Now, the book of Hebrews 12, verse 23 speaks of the spirits of righteous men made perfect. You know, there are times maybe in your Christian life that you wonder if you're making any progress. It's easy to get discouraged, and we're told to avoid that temptation in Galatians 6, 9. And that we have need of endurance, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. Even the Apostle Paul, after being a Christian for a couple of decades, was still pursuing spiritual growth in his own life. He was still pressing on and reaching forward, Philippians 3, verse 12. And he did not get discouraged that after being a Christian for a good while, that he still had things to work on. Rather, he joyfully moved ahead. And he encouraged us to do the same. Philippians 3, 15 through 16. That passage in the book of Hebrews, as I noted, Hebrews 12, 23, the spiritual of righteous man made perfect. That encourages me for it's saying that all of us who have remained faithful will reach the goal, not only of heaven, but also those personal spiritual goals of your own spiritual growth refining of your character. One day we will be spirits made perfect. And right now we're in the process. And don't sell yourself short. You've made a lot of progress. The people that knew you when you were not a Christian, they've seen it. What happened to you? In that city, we will be complete in all the important attributes such as love, joy, mercy, endurance, godliness, goodness. How heartening, how heartening to know you'll reach your potential. You will glorify God. You'll be like an angel. You will actually achieve a far greater greatness than many of the world's heroes or the heroes created by people in works of fiction. Have you ever noted that? You, as a Christian, a faithful believer, are far more of a hero than many of the great heroes of the fiction of Western civilization. Nothing will interfere with our heavenly happiness, because in this life, what often gets in the way is our own poor attitude, lack of patience, lack of gratitude, and other things. No longer will the wrong thoughts in our head undermine our contentment, joy, and happiness. Heaven will be a place free of all the mental struggles. I know all about the despair of overcoming chronic chronic temptations. No amount of falls will really undo us if we keep on picking ourselves up each time. The righteous are like that. You can't keep them down. As one writer said, we shall, at the end of it, like C.S. Lewis noted this, we're going to be muddy, roughed up, you know, we're going to be scraped up, but we're going to make it. We're going to make it. 
the city of God. How often do you think about that? Colossians says, fix your minds on things above. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. We need to ponder the city of God far more often. I like to travel, but that's really, that's the de destination that we need to think about most often. That's the ultimate road trip. That's the place that, there, there are things in this world that if you don't see it, it's not the end of the day. It's not the worst thing that ever happened to you if you don't see a certain national park or a site. That's not a big deal at the end. But if someone said you miss heaven, and you miss all there is. This is Mark Dunnigan for The Daily Answer. Until next time, we'll see you in the funny papers.